0: Up, everybody. Welcome back to First on Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Saturday, February 4th. And it's been a little while since we've been on the pod. I think it's been a week and a half since since we've uh gotten the microphones in our hands, but we're back today and we're gonna be talking about a little bit of a recap of last weekend's games. Uh, because well, yeah, last weekend's games because we didn't we haven't talked about them yet, but we're not gonna be talking about kind of the the same old stuff. We're gonna be trying to give it more of a holistic view, looking forward into the future for the 49ers and the Eagles and you know, Super Bowl teams and uh and obviously the Bengals were was a little bit of a storyline there with you know kind of Bengals versus or Bengals with the refs. Um it was no Bengals versus refs, sorry. And uh yeah, so we're gonna be talking about the conference championships from last weekend little head coaching news uh, this past week. And then you guys saw the news or everybody thought saw the news about Tom Brady. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. And then we're going to be getting into our NBA topic that we were supposed to get into uh, a week and a half ago. So it's not really new news, but it's also not really old news. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about it. So we're going to get into it. Uh, It's it's about the all-star game. So that being said, I've got Matt on the other line here. What's up, Matt?
1: Yeah, we got a, it's been a, it's been a little bit, but we're we're getting back here. Um it's it's obviously Hayden's in his third year of college. I'm working in Richmond but living in Fred it's it, I'm working an hour away from where I'm living but then I'm staying with my parents and stuff. So, it's, so it's it's a lot of back and forth which is why we can't really do this on a two week or two times per week basis like we used to be doing. Obviously, once I kind of get situated here early April, um as I've mentioned on the last couple of shows, then it'll be all kind of kind of back together like it used to be. But Uh, Right. Hayden's right. I I mean, there's not that much football left. Right. So we got to We got to savor the time that we do have uh, talking about the conference championships. I think that, you know, by this point, you've probably obviously you've heard or read or both um, a lot about both of the games, what happened, the storylines coming out of that. But I think that, you know, now that we have kind of had some time to digest everything, um, we'll just have a, you know, just kind of sit here and have a conversation about it, uh, which I think is, you know, going to be going to be pretty productive. And and hopefully you enjoy kind of the, you know, the the, the more laid back approach to at least just kind of going over the games that happened as well as, you know, just kind of being a little bit of, you know, a week, a week ish removed of it. Uh, what uh, what we can come up with. And obviously, uh, as Hayden said, um, you know, we got coaching updates. We got Tom Brady updates again uh, and then NBA to end off the uh, to end off the show. So that's that's what we got.
0: Yeah. And I'm sitting here with a little bit of a little bit of a sore, not not really sore throat, but a little bit of a scratchy throat. So if my voice sounds a little off, uh, it probably already does to some of you, but if my voice sounds a little bit off. That's probably why I've got some cough drops next to me. And um, they're they have a liquid center. And when you when you suck on it for a little bit uh, and you bite into it, there's like these herbs in the middle and they punch you in the face. Um, I I just I don't know. I needed to say that because they're really strong. I don't know, it, but they they work and they come in like these individual little casings too, like these little bags. So it's kind of kind of bougie cough drops anyway. Yeah, let's uh, start let's talking talk about cough drops and, and get into the NFL here. So, like I said, uh, storylines from the conference championships, we've got Kyle Shanahan's uh, bad luck with quarterbacks (laughs) and just always like I saw this meme the other day and it was like um, it was basically like when because now all the NFL script memes are coming out where, you know, everybody's joking about how the NFL scripted. And I think the other day, what was it I saw on a podcast? It was Arian Foster was on some podcast and he basically He probably just said it for publicity or just to get the pot stirring. But he basically said that the NFL is scripted. He was like, yeah, like they would hand me a a plan of what would happen to me across the season, uh, what would happen to the team across the season, everything like that. And everything, every kind of everybody kind of blew up about it, like on Twitter, on social media, everything everybody was talking about, like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I thought this was just a joke. But Arian Foster's on this podcast here, like actually saying that the NFL is scripted. Um, but then there were other NFL players that came out and were and were like, "Dude, this guy's lying. Like he's just joking about it. There's there's nothing." But they could just be getting paid off to say that. I don't know. But it's it's it was kind of interesting to see that. Um, and I saw some memes the other day about Kyle Shanahan. Just it was like a video of I don't know. It was a video of like Stephen A. getting mad. And it was like when Kyle Shanahan gets the script every year for what's going to happen to his quarterbacks. And it's like it's basically true because I mean his quarterbacks always get hurt or he just has mediocre Jimmy G in the backfield kind of just working through things. And he's got a Kyle Shanahan's got to save his team from the mediocrity in that backfield. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that they lost this past weekend, but it kind of is what it is. Then we've got Brock Purdy's future to talk about as well. And then uh, the the Eagles kind of weird dynamic that they have going into this Super Bowl that I will talk about a little bit, but I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to kind of start us off on Anything that he wants to talk about, I know he kind of wanted to talk about how unlucky Kyle, Sh- Kyle Shanahan has been in the past, but also how good he has been with the luck that he's been given. So, Matt, go ahead if you want to talk about that.
1: Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. I think we should address the elephant in the room, which is, as you said, the whole the NFL's rigged, it's all scripted, whatever. Um, and I think this was probably more apparent in the in the Bengals and Chiefs game than the 49ers Eagles uh because of right the, you know the refs they were it seemed like Cincinnati got a lot of the calls and and some of them were phantom calls some of them were non calls that you know should have been uh penalties on the Chiefs and and just really everything it seemed like you know kind of people are uh a little bit a little bit up in arms about but here's the deal okay it, this is a a a 100 billion dollar enterprise comprised of owners who own the teams who are all billionaires themselves, the players make hundreds of millions of dollars for this to be scripted, for it to be all be rigged and everything like that. It just, it's impossible. It's impossible for that to happen. A, because of how much money is, is involved and then B because it's the ultimate form of competition. This is the biggest sport in the entire world. Well, I mean, you know, monetary wise, it is um, obviously, you know, soccer is probably worldwide bigger, but in terms of just, you know, Everything that everybody cares about when it comes to, you know, American sports is it's football and and it's only getting bigger and it's only going to get bigger. We see in college now, right? These, these kids who are, you know, 18, 17, 18 years old are making, you know, tens of millions of dollars just from, just because of the college they choose to go to. So that's only going to get bigger, but it's at the end of the day, it's, it's the, it's the purest form of a competition of a game. And there's no way that you could, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like there is no possible way that everything is is written beforehand and you're able to convince all of these coaches i mean the staffs are made up of hundreds of people there's hundreds of people you know obviously there's a 53 man roster on like you know on a given sunday but there's practice squads for these you know for each of these teams there's the 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 people, the, the equipment managers, there's the people who call the games. Um, you know, they, they showed they showed that I, I was on Instagram, I forget, I I guess it was I think it was like an ESPN account that posted um a video of some lady who was like running the um you know how they how they switch in the whatever they're showing on the on the broadcast of the TV for like the you know layovers in Okay, you know, Chiefs got a field goal, whatever. Then they're showing, you know, the slow-motion videos of Harrison Butker making the pick or you know, making the kick or whatever. Um, and, and she's like calling this out. And it's like for her to understand that this is all rigged, like it would be the biggest kept secret in the history of America. And you realize too, people are getting hired and fired from these NFL teams or NFL organization in general every single day, too. So so it's it's like, you know, th- these people aren't working for the CIA, you know, it's like it's it's the very general thing. And it's you know, I don't I don't know. I, I think that, you know at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the calls are what they are. And sometimes teams get, you know, better calls than others. But I think the biggest reason of this, and, and hopefully I was kind of going a little bit general there, but I think that, you know, just getting down to the specifics of the game, it was, this game was, was it was close the entire time, right? I mean, it was, you know, Chiefs got up 13 to three, and then it's, you know, it's 13 to six at halftime. And you're thinking, well, it's Joe Burrow. He's going to come back. And that's exactly what they do. The game is tied 20 to 20 with, you know, three minutes left in the fourth quarter and Joe Burrow throws an interception. And so you have Patrick Mahomes on his own, like 18 yard line with however, you know, two and a half minutes or whatever to go in the game. And, you know, okay, well, you had that thing earlier in the game where he gets a bunch of holding calls and, you know, there's like three third downs and two actual, you know, first and 10 downs. um And, and okay, fine. You know, the rules are what they are, but right. You look back at the video on that third down where he gets sacked and it should have been a fourth down, but they called the defensive holding or they, they, no, sorry, they called it the, um, the, the, because the play clock wasn't running and they had to, you know, kind of run the whole play again, the ref came in before the play even started. Right. So yeah, they ended up and, and because it's so loud, I mean, Kansas city is actually the loudest stadium in the, in the, in the league. It, nobody can hear the whistles. And so they actually run the play, but the referee coming had been coming in earlier. Um, and so, you know, that, that whether or not that would that could have been a touchdown. They still would have run the play again. Right. Uh, the touchdown for the chiefs instead, it was a negative play for the chiefs and it ended up being, you know, they just kind of got, they got the call again. And then obviously they had defensive holding on the Bengals the, the play after that, but it's like everything that happened after that, even right. Because you have the, obviously, right. The, you know, the Mahomes, he, he's, he's running out of bounds and, and Joseph Asai, you know, hits him out of bounds. There's a late hit call. To set up a 48-yard field goal for Harrison Butker in, f- in negative five degrees, or I think it was five, um, you know, five degrees with a wind chill and everything, for him to make that kick and and then win the game, and it's just like if that's the script that we're trying to that we're trying to write for this game, that you know we're gonna we're gonna completely screw the Bengals and we're gonna make sure that the Chiefs win on a last-second field goal from 48 yards, which is not a gimme, all right? And obviously Harrison Butker's a really good kicker, but, but you're giving him a 48-yard field goal, basically a 50-yard field goal in five-degree weather in the wind chill of Kansas City with all the fans. That, that's not a, that's not a guarantee at all. So if you're going to guarantee the chiefs to win this game, there's, and if it's all scripted and everything like that, there's, there's a lot easier ways that you can do it. If you're the NFL or if you're the refs or, if you know, you're the teams that are making all this money by, you know, by the bribes or whatever it's going on inside the script of the NFL. There's a lot more that you could have done to make this an easier win for the Chiefs, all right? And I think it's the way that we want to put it here. Um throughout the game, yes, the, you know, there were calls that were missed and there were calls that went against the Bengals that the Chiefs didn't get, right? But there was the punt return by Sky Moore for like 25 yards or whatever. If the Bengals cover that up a little bit better, the 15-yard penalty is out the window. They don't even have a shot at making that field goal or even attempting the field goal. They're going straight to overtime and who knows what can happen in overtime, right? So it, 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 like if that's part of the script, Okay, the Bengals. Hey, hey, Bengals! Bengals punt, uh, punt team. We gotta, we gotta make us that Sky Moore gets gets like twenty five or twenty to twenty five yards, not fifteen yards. Because then when we call the penalty on late hit out of bounds on Joseph Asai, that it'll be forty eight yard field goal instead of fifty five. Because fifty five is a little bit harder to hit in five degree. It's like, come on, dude! Like that. It so obviously right. I think that you know, with the with the the evolving nature of social media and you know all the 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 Twitter stuff and everything that's coming out now, and and because. The game is only getting bigger and more and more people are watching this game and sometimes things are unfair it, it it lends itself to be looked at as okay this game is rigged and i think that hopefully most people understand that it's not and and you know things just happen and calls are made during a game and if you look at kind of how the way that things happen and the way that i just explained a couple examples there it's not there's no way to do this and, and if there is Then rig it so that the so that the teams win a little bit easier than the Chiefs having to rely on Harrison Booker making a forty-eight yard field goal as time is expiring, Um, because once you get to overtime, you know you're only going to have to rig more calls. You're only going to have so. I I think that hopefully, you know, it's a very it's a very it seems like a very common sense thing to me, but I I don't understand um, how people are you know actually kind of believing in this. And two, with the evolving nature of social media and everything, for the people who bet on the Bengals, for the people who are Bengals fans, people who are rooting on the Bengals. It's it's now evolved, especially with Twitter, we've all, we evolved into a space where everyone can be right and everyone can only feed off of what they what else they see. So if you're on Twitter, you can mute any tweets that mention the Chiefs, or you can mute any any anything that, but you can only pay attention to all the tweets that say that the NFL is rigged, and all the tweets that, that say that the uh, you know the refs are are giving this game away or whatever. And so it's almost that mob mentality thing where you and, and I know this is you know this is pretty philosophical here, but I I, I do think it's true to some extent to where if you believe something, the way that we're, where we're at in the world and social media and especially Twitter, like I said, you can you can procure a a, a space in which you will only see and say things that you believe that corroborate your beliefs, right? So if, if you're a Bengals fan or if you've been on the Bengals or whatever and you think the Bengals got screwed... You can make it so that you are tweeting out things that the bank Beng- that you know the NFL's rigged and the Bengals got screwed and all this stuff, and everyone in your reply is going to be saying the same thing, and everybody's gonna be agreeing with you. So it's not this thing where you're having a back and forth conversation with someone who may not have been, someone that, you know, a non-biased third party where you can go back and forth and explain, okay, yeah, maybe that makes sense, you know, understand the other person's argument. It's just I'm just gonna spew this out here because this is what I believe, and I'm only gonna pay attention to other people who have the same beliefs as me. And it just kind of creates this uproar. So I think that you know, that that's probably the main problem in all this um, is, is the amount of just, just the way that, you know, everything is open and all of this information is out there and, and, and you can only see what you, well, you can see everything. And, and that I think is probably the, you know, one of the problems that contributes to this, but I think that just everything that I took in from that week, just kind of reinforces the fact that, you know, right. If you look at this with common sense, you know, yeah, the Bengals, you feel bad for them. You know, a couple of calls didn't go their way. Um, but at the end of the day, man, and and I said this on the podcast, like Patrick Mahomes was not losing that game. I mean, he, you know, he has no run game. He has, I mean, really, you know, the the defense played okay, but you know, they weren't, they weren't that great. Um, And he has one ankle Um, and, and he has no receivers too. I mean, all the receivers got hurt basically. And so it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where for him to still come out on top in this game. And I said it on the podcast, I'm like, I know they're going to win this game. Um, Obviously, you know, they won because of yeah, sure. You know, they, they, they got helped out a little bit by the rest, but I think at the end of the day, like, you know, the, the, the result was what it was. And I think it was true. And I think the better team won. Um, but, but I don't know. I think that's just my whole thing on this, on the NFL rig thing. And I'm trying to kind of just go through all the stuff that I heard throughout the week and and, and try to at least put it here on a platform that that hopefully makes a little bit more sense but um Hayden you were the one who, who kind of brought up or at least you know the Arian Foster thing and I, and I saw that as well um what's your what's your status on the whole NFL is rigged in, in terms of whether you believe it or not I mean obviously I know that you don't but just you know what your reaction I guess to the to, to the whole situation
0: oh yeah you're right I think that your point about the NFL being rigged being the biggest kept secret in the history of the world is definitely true because Right. You've got so many moving parts in the NFL. You've got so many people that, you know, that, that work for the NFL that have been fired, that have obviously been done dirty in some way. And there's no way that the NFL is paying all them off to just stay quiet about this. And also, yeah, there's no way that you're getting that many actors to participate in this whole thing that's that's rigged. And that, you know, I feel like there would be cooler things that happen too. like it, I guess the NFL, like if it actually is rigged, they would try to hide it in some capacity, but I feel like they would probably try to make cooler things happen because the, the want for publicity would probably take over uh, a little bit too much at some point, And it would, it would probably boil over to the NFL doing something that kind of exposes them as, as being rigged. So I, I think that you're completely right. I don't think that it's rigged at all really. And I think that everybody's saying that everybody pointing to this chiefs and Bengals game and saying that, the, you know, Oh, the NFL has got to be rigged because of this game. Just look at the calls in this game the calls weren't even really that bad. I'm going to come out and say it myself. Uh, A lot of, a lot of people point to that one play where, and I think Matt, you might, you might've talked about it, but it was like a third and 22 for the chiefs. And they threw, I think they threw like a, I don't know, 10 yard pass or so. And they were still in their own territory. So they would have had to punt. Uh, But then the refs had tried to blow the play dead before the play happened and nobody heard the whistle. So that, so basically like when the, when the play happened and it was like fourth and 12 or whatever, fourth and 10 still from, you know, their own 30 yard line. And then the refs came on the field and they were like, Oh no, we have to actually replay this down. And all the Bengals fans were like, dude, what the heck, you know, why are they letting, letting them replay the down? It's like, okay, well, they had a, a problem with the time, which they should get better at. They shouldn't have to stop the game for that. But there was, if you look at like a sky cam view of the field before that, third down play that third and 22 play where the, the chiefs only got 10 or 12 yards. There was a ref running out onto the field as that play started. So he was already running onto the field when the play began, he was trying to blow his whistle. Nobody heard him because I mean, they're playing at Arrowhead and it's like, I, I actually don't even know if it's called Arrowhead anymore, but um, they're playing at the, the chief well, stadium. Yeah, So uh, it's,
1: it's G E H a field, which is like the sponsor of the, of the name of the stadium, Yeah, but they call it Arrowhead Arrowhead stadium because of the, you know with the chiefs right. and arrowhead and that's like the. i thought the they had
0: to home. change it though because like wasn't that one of the changes that they made because of like because it kind of implies um a history of
1: well like, no i mean i don't i don't think they're no i think it's it's you know this is like the like a, a lot of them so like the like the raven stadium for example that's and i work for m bank so the raven stadium is MT bank stadium but there's not like a i guess a, a another name for it I, I guess i would say but like the um well, and then I guess like the commanders because they're the other close team, FedEx field. But I think, so like the the Giants and Jeff Stadium, it's called the Meadowlands, but isn't there, there's like a stadium name for it too. MetLife. I think it's like some of these fields. Yeah, exactly. MetLife. So Meadowlands yeah. Stadium, but it's called the Meadowlands. So I think that some of these stadiums, they have like the sponsor name and then the stadium name. Um, and sometimes that's just like all it is. But I think other ones, they'll just because of, the teams that play there or the name of the team or whatever, they'll, they'll, they'll shorten it to, so that it's not, you don't have to say G E H a field. It's yeah. just like Arrowhead. Like, that's cool. You know, I think it's just kind of a nickname ish type
0: thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, going back to what I was saying, right. Arrowhead stadium is always, it's like one of the loudest stadiums in the country or in the, in the NFL. I think it actually might be. And it's an outdoor stadium, which is pretty crazy, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that it's just like the ref tried to come on the field and blows whistle. Nobody heard him because the crowd was so loud. And that happened sorry i mean it's just you know thing, things follow the way that they do and the chiefs got another another chance to, get, um, to play that, that third down play and then there was a holding call that was called on the Bengals. that's what everybody was mad about it's because it's like oh they're like oh they give him another chance and then now we get a holding call like what the heck it was an obvious holding call like you, you can look at that play uh i think it was eli apple on marcus valdez scantling he obviously held him like it was no question Textbook holding call, uh, you know, downfield. So it I, I think that that was probably, you know, what a lot of people looked at when they saw this and they were like, oh, you know, NFL's rigged. Not really, dude, because the calls, I think, were a little bit just there was there was another pass interference call later on called against the Bengals, I think. And it was it was definitely not it shouldn't have been called at all. It was a good play by the defense and they called a pass interference. So that, that was a missed call. I think they had another missed call too. Right, the the late hit out of bounds. That was a late hit out of bounds. I mean, you're you're talking about Patrick Mahomes who's running on a bad ankle. He's running out of bounds. He kind of pulls up a little bit and then Osai. He's a young player. He's like, what, twenty three or so. So he's a young player. He makes a mistake and he hits him out late out of bounds. But he hit him late. I mean, he sent him right into the bench. He could have. He actually Osai got sent into the bench and he like hyper extended his knee. So it's a dangerous play for him to it's dangerous play for Patrick Mahomes. You have to call that kind of thing at the end of the game. It sucks that that's what led to the chiefs winning and what led to the chiefs getting into field goal range. But Matt was saying it too. Like that's, I mean, that's the nature of the game. It happens and things don't slide your way sometimes. And so Bengals fans like, I'm sorry, but it, it kind of is what it is. And we've got the chiefs in the super bowl now. So that's probably my take on it. Uh, I don't, right. I don't really have too much of a surprising take on it. I think that, at this point, people are kind of starting to notice that, hey, the calls maybe weren't so bad. Like There are definitely people that are still mad about it. I even had the Bengals winning this game. I thought that the Bengals were going to win this game just because Patrick Mahomes was beat up. And then we got news later on in the week that Travis Kelsey had hurt his back in, in the practice on the Friday before that Sunday. So two days before that conference championship game, we got news that Travis Kelsey kind of screwed up his back a little bit. And when I got that news, I was like, OK, yeah, the Bengals are winning because they called Travis. They called Travis Kelsey a, a game time decision on top of Mahomes having a high ankle sprain just a week ago. Like I was like, dude, there's, there's no way that the Chiefs win this game. But they, they went out and did it. And, um, you know, it was it was a little bit ugly at some points. But yeah, I mean, that's right. They have no running game and they still won this game. Patrick Mahomes won this game single handedly. He by the end of the game, I think they had. They had one starting receiver out there, and I think it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling that played. Actually, I think he got he got like a, con- a concussion, I think, or something like that later on in the game. So they had back. I think Sky Moore was actually the only starter still left out there on on the field at the end of the game for Patrick Mahomes um, in terms of wide receivers. And so, right, like Patrick Mahomes won this game fair and square. It was pretty much all him. That defense is a little bit shaky. All right, so let's switch gears and talk about the 49ers and the Eagles game because – that was kind of a less talked about game because the Eagles blew him out. I think it was 38 to or 31 to seven or something like that. So it was a blowout. It was a really boring game. I mean, pretty much by like halftime or, you know, the halfway through the third quarter, nobody was really watching anymore. I stopped watching after after the first half, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, I mean, it was like it was 28 to seven at one point. And I just turned it off. So um, it, was, it was a little bit of a boring game, but I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to talk about some storylines that he sees coming out of this game. Because I think there's a couple I'm going to talk about the Eagles in particular. I think he's probably going to take it uh, more of the 49ers route. And so we'll see how it goes. But Matt, what you got?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, and Hayden prefaced this a little bit before Kyle Shanahan is probably the most unlucky head coach in the history of the world because he's a great coach. We all know. And his offensive schemes are great. He's taken some quarterbacks who don't aren't really that great um, and done some amazing things with them. It's also failed with some quarterbacks, but you know, at the end of the day, it's usually because those quarterbacks end up being what we had on Sunday, which was your fourth string guy. <laughs> um, I, I think that you know, it, it just it just kind of sucks because, well, I mean, they were my Super Bowl pick, um, but obviously, you can't judge anything on the fact that they went down to their fourth string quarterback. Um, it, it 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 just kind of is unfortunate because this whole year. And realistically too, I mean, really all the years. So he's been to three college and the 49ers as he's been their coach has been to the NFC championship three of the last four years. Um, he also made a super bowl. That was the only chiefs super bowl win under uh, Patrick Mahomes tenure there. Uh, so, and they were winning the super bowl in the fourth quarter, I think by 10 points. And then Patrick Mahomes came all the way back. So he could have already had a super bowl with the 49ers. Um, and, and then that was kind of uh, taken right under his feet, but right. Then went to after that, two of the next three uh, NFC championship games obviously lost uh, last year to the Rams. And then this year to the Eagles, the only time that he wasn't in the NFC championship was when I think that was the year. I think it was like, it was two, there's three years ago now because they've been in the NFC championship the last two years. Yeah. So um, three years ago, that team, I think, was, like, the most injured team in the history of, the, of, of like, the NFL. Um, that was when Jimmy G had, like, kind of come in, but he wasn't doing that well. They, I mean, I, I, I guess, um, trying to think back then, I think they had Raheem Mostert still, and maybe Jeff Wilson was kind of coming along, I guess, but... Both those guys were were hurt in and out the whole year. They were hurt most of the time, and the defense I think was the was the biggest part. Pretty much all their defensive starters were hurt uh, at some point during the year, and I think they went like six and eleven or something like that, uh, or six and ten, I guess, when they still had the sixteen game schedule. But either way, it was a bad it was a bad year, right? But the whole team was injured, and you see what he's done with these teams when they're not injured. Uh, obviously, you know, defense wins championships, and he has a great defensive coordinator, D'Amico Domico Ryans, who's now with a with the Texans, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you know the offensive scheme that he runs. It it right. It makes it less work for the quarterback. All you have really have to do is just you know right be a game manager. Um, Don't make huge mistakes, and and you know your guys will be open down the field. George Kittle is a, a great tight end. Obviously you have weapons Debo, Debo Samuel and uh, and and um uh, Brandon Ayuk as well. And you can't go wrong with Christian McCaffrey and, and Jeff Wilson, the running backs they do have in the stable there. So it's it's been a great team, and I think he is a great coach. But I think and and I don't. I mean it's not like he's putting the, the, these players in harm's way. I think it's just kind of, it's just un, just unfortunate. Like the luck I think is just kind of crazy with, with how, you know, these injuries are happening. And and I I felt really bad. Like as soon as I saw um, Brock Purdy go out, and then you could see him on the sidelines and he's talking to Shannon and he's like, I can't throw. He's like, I can't feel my, and it's one of those things where it's like, you see, you know, as a spectator of the game, and obviously we've never, you know, been in their position before, but you're like, dude, you're a professional athlete, like, you know, your pads are still on, if your leg isn't like physically broken, like, get out there and play. It's like, dude, you never know what these guys are actually going through, and he tours UCL, which is like the, the biggest nerve in your arm he physically couldn't feel his fingers like he, he couldn't grip the ball because he didn't know how hard or how softly he was gripping it and, and in that case you can't throw like if that's the if you're a quarterback and that's happening on your throwing your throwing hand or your throwing arm like good luck you're, you're not going to be able to do it and so I think that that was kind of a storyline was like oh you know he's being soft and it's like the one thing that he is able to do or the one thing that his job is to do is to throw the ball. And if he can't feel his fingers to be able to even grip the ball, then you're not going to be able to, 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 to be, you know, to continue playing. So um, obviously, right, and then he goes out Josh Johnson, who who never even thought that he would have a chance of playing or even, you know, getting on the field in, in any game this season, much less an NFC championship game he doesn't have a, he's not had enough time to even, you know, grasp the offense or, or, you know, or just be out there to get reps with the guys. And so obviously he had some turnovers and everything like that. Um, the Eagles are really good. Okay. But I think that coming away from this, and again, I've been kind of, you know, rooting for the 49ers for most of the season, just because, you know, I just kind of did a sympathy for, for, for Kyle Shanahan, all that he's been through uh, the fact that he's just kind of taken all these blows and still been able to just push through and, and do so well you end up kind of thinking that you know that's that's why I really I kind of ended up pulling for them uh, towards the end of the season here and and I think that right the Eagles are a really solid team but you know and and I think a lot of the storylines going into the Super Bowl and we'll talk about this on our next podcast we're going to do kind of a, a big Super Bowl deep dive obviously so you know we we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves in terms of you know preparing or whatever but the Eagles had a pretty easy schedule during the regular season. I remember that when we were doing our preview uh, podcast before the season even started, and we were talking about over-unders on win totals and what we thought the teams were going to do. I remember I said during our NFC win totals, I, I you know, we talked about the Eagles, and, you know, I said that they were going to go over. I think Hayden said they were going to go over as well, um, but simply because we were looking at the schedule, and it's just like they weren't playing that st- that hard of a schedule they had kind of a you know a pretty easy schedule during the regular season and then obviously right you know they they did what they were supposed to they got the one seed in the nfc uh they you know had a first round bye got the home field throughout the playoffs and they played the giants and the 49ers both teams you know who are really well the giants were were you know the hugest fraud (laughs) and then the 49ers just you know had, had the worst injury luck you possibly could and so obviously both the games were blowouts um and the eagles kind of skirted through but i think that the narrative coming out of this is that, well, you know, the, the Eagles haven't played anybody and and whatever, but it's like, okay, if you haven't played anybody or if the competition has been horrible, sure. You know, you, it, it may be harder to get up for a game and, and then, you know, get ready to play for the – to get ready to play the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, the Eagles blew out their opponents in both of these games the Gi- versus the Giants as well as the 49ers. And so I, I would – and this happened throughout the regular season too. They had a pretty easy schedule during the regular season, but there were many times when we saw the Eagles and, you know, they're up by – 28 points in the first half. And then they kind of just take their foot off the gas. Cause they don't really need to try that hard for the rest of the game. Right. Uh, you know, both games against the giants uh, or I guess all three games against the giants. You no, know, they're up by at least 20 points at halftime. And so in both of these playoffs games as well, they, You know, they put it out there. They scored 38 and 31 points respectively. Um, You know, obviously the 49ers defense was vaunted coming into this game. And, you know, what are you going to do? And and obviously, right, if you're the defense and your your third string quarterback goes out, now you know you don't have a chance to win the game. I think that affects the defense a little bit in terms of the mentality to be able to continue to play as well as you have up until this point. So I think for, to a certain extent, it was, it was kind of a, you know, they, they knew they just didn't have anything left. They knew that they weren't going to play this or, you know, be able to win the game. The most they could do was hope that the to, to, to stop the Eagles from scoring a touchdown. But at the end of the day, man, like the 49ers were the best defense in the NFL and the Eagles put up 31 points on them. And so as much as everyone's kind of talking about, Oh, the, you know, the Eagles had such an easy road to the playoffs and, you know, they haven't played anybody and they've gotten so lucky with the teams that they did play and everything like that. Fine. But they're still putting up a lot of points and they're doing it against really good defenses and their defense likewise is only letting up seven points a game on average throughout the playoffs this far. And, and, and right. You know, one of those was against Daniel Jones the other was against a fourth string uh, Josh Johnson, you know, led 49er team. So fine. You know, that's, that's, I guess a little bit of an excuse, but even when we did see Brock Purdy for that first drive, like the Eagles were getting after him, man. Like he wouldn't have had to go out of the game if the, if, if, um, Hassan Reddick hadn't got blown through the, the the 49ers offensive line and completely messed up his throwing rhythm. So I think that for as much as we're hearing about, oh, the 49ers, you know, they feel so bad for them and, and everything that happened. And this wasn't even a game and Hayden said he turned it off. I did too. Uh, you know, midway through the second quarter, I was like, this game is over. Uh, but at the end of the day, the game was over because the Eagles actually did put it away. Right. So I think that's kind of what we have to think here is like the Eagles could have very well been like, ah, whatever, you know, this is going to be easy. And, you know, okay, maybe the 49ers end up keeping it close. They score another touchdown Eagles win by, you know, six or seven points. All right, fine. They still win. They're on to the Super Bowl, It doesn't really matter, but they blew them out. Right. And I think that that was kind of the, the point that I am taking from this is that they still did their job. The defense only let up seven points to the giants and the 49ers, the offense scored at will basically in both those games as well. Um, They're averaging the average score of both the games in the playoffs right now for the, for the Eagles is 34 to seven. That's pretty good. Right? So yes, they have faced easy teams, but they've, but they've done what they're supposed to do against those teams. And they haven't looked like they're, they're just kind of playing with their food or they're playing down to their competition they're proving that they're, that they're willing to be, or that they're deserving to be here. Um, so I think that that should be, I think, kind of what the narrative, right? That's what I think the narrative should be coming out of this game is the fact that the Eagles are, are playing the games in their car you, 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 or the cards that you're dealt, you know, that that's what they're doing. They're, they're playing the teams that they're facing up against based on the way that the other playoff games are working out and they're winning the games that they're supposed to do, but they're kind of doing it or they're, you know, they're doing it in a very solid fashion. They're, you know, they're, they're really winning these games by, by a good margin. So I think that, hopefully that, you know, kind of summarizes it, or at least, you know, how I felt about the 49ers coming in. I think, you know, kind of they're, they're the dog, they're the, the, the you know, the kind of the dark horse to to really make a run here. And and they did until it was really just literally impossible for them to even go further when they lost Brock Purdy. But uh, but I think the Eagles deserve some credit for at least showing up and, and doing what they're supposed to do and taking care of their business throughout the playoffs as well.
0: Yeah, I, I that's a pretty good take on it. And I would say that I'm probably more extreme on the Eagles. I think that Matt's it's kind of, he's, he's kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt with the whole schedule thing, like easy schedule thing. I think that the Eagle, like they're, they easy schedule and I'm looking at it now. Uh, I, I kind of just did a little bit of research on it, but I'm looking at it now and going through their whole schedule, they played a total of uh, three playoff teams during the regular season. So they played, and that includes the Cowboys and the giants, which are both in their division. So out of division teams, the only out of division team playoff team that they played was the Jaguars. and. Everybody else like didn't make the playoffs. It was you know you? I think the the only the only other like really good team that they played that was out of division was maybe the Dolphins or no? The, they played the Dolphins preseason. Sorry. Uh, the, I mean they played the Vikings. Oh yeah, the Vikings were also a playoff team, but they got handled uh, in the in the, in the divisional round. I mean wild card round against the Giants. So yeah, I mean they they beat the the Vikings earlier in the season. Uh, they beat the Colts by one. It's like. You go through their schedule, and I don't know. I mean, they beat they beat the Lions by three week one. I know that's week one, and it's probably the most stark of a difference between uh, then and now. But still, I mean, this Eagles like everybody prides the, all of their arguments on this Eagles t- on this Eagles team as they have so much talent, right? So much talent on this defense, so much talent on this offense. You can't tell me that the Chiefs' roster right now matches up with the Eagles' roster. That's true. I think that the, that the Eagles probably have more. Uh, more talent on their team right now than, than the chiefs do. And again, I'm not going to get too far into this because we're going to, we're going to preview uh, the super bowl in in the, this coming week. So I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. The Eagles, they have had the, I think they had the easiest road in the, in the regular season. They had the easiest road in the playoffs too. They played the giants in the divisional round, and then they played the 49ers team, which right. Yes. The 49ers have a very good defense. The probably, well, they were kind of like the first ranked defense overall for the whole entire season in the playoffs. The Eagles defense has probably performed better than the 49ers defense has just because like Matt said, they've let up a total of 14 points across two whole playoff games. So yes, they played a good defense in the 49ers, but also that 49ers offense just could not do anything. So I don't, we'll see. And the Eagles have had the easiest road out of anybody, the easiest road that I've seen in a long while to the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, so that, that's just kind of something to keep in mind for the Eagles. A little update on on Brock Purdy is that he essentially has two options with his elbow. He can either get a, I think it's, it's called an internal brace, an internal UCL brace, which is, I think that requires surgery as well. Uh, obviously, the other... Fixed to this would be Tommy John surgery, but nobody ever comes back the same after after Tommy John surgery, at least in the MLB. Um, pretty much every, uh, if you guys don't really know the history on Tommy John surgery, this is what happens when, when guys get a UC, a UCL tear in their elbow, they usually get Tommy John surgery to come back as quick as possible. And then when they come back, uh, they basically have like half the throwing power. Like they just, it's just impossible to, to, to throw the ball like they used to. And so a lot of, pitchers that have had tommy john surgery kind of just fade out of the mix and so will that happen to brock purdy i've read some things that say essentially that with the way that nfl players throw the ball it's not as um it's not as like tough on the ucl or tough on the elbow as the way that pitchers throw it and it makes sense because pitchers just absolutely whip the ball and like you can if you watch a pitch in slow motion you can see that their elbows flexing the wrong way um a, a lot of the times you know way too much. And that's, that's usually how they tear it. Like they tear it by just throwing the ball. They don't tear it by getting hit by Hassan Reddick, um, you know, in, in the, in the, in the pocket. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you, like, I think that this UCL thing is, is probably not as bad as people think it's going to be. I think that Brock Purdy is probably going to go with the, with the little internal brace action. And uh, I think he's going to go through some rehab. He's going to have a lot a pretty long road of rehab, but basically what I've heard is like, if they do this internal brace and they do some rehab and they kind of just wait it out, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like letting a broken bone fix fix itself. Sometimes a lot of times, that's what they do. Like when I broke my arm back in middle school, they didn't do surgery or anything. They just kind of let it heal on its own. So, um, that's the best way to do it because when your body heals itself and when there's nothing surgically repaired or nothing that's put into your body to connect the ligament or something like that, uh, your body heals itself best. And so you'll come back healthier. It's going to take a long, a longer time, but luckily he has the whole off season to, to kind of go through this. Um, I, I always forget that like when whenever somebody gets injured in the playoffs, like when OBJ got injured in the super, super bowl last year and he tore his ACL, I was like, Oh yeah, he'll be fine for next season because the, the season is a year away, but it's like, no, the super bowl was in February and these guys start playing. I mean, they start camp again and like, late July, August. Right. So it's, I mean, it's really only like six, seven months away, um, you know, from, from kind of when these guys start training again and when they have to kind of be, be in tip top shape for the beginning of the season. But I think that we'll see Brock people are saying six months is, is kind of like the timeline that we're looking at that that that's great to be optimistic. But again, you've kind of got to look at it and say like, well, this is, this is a torn ligament at the end of the day. You need to, you know, we we kind of just need to wait it out and uh see what happens. But I'm I'm rooting for him because I mean they said before before he got hurt, I think it was before the, the conference championship game, kind of like the week leading up to it. Uh they came out with the 49ers came out with a statement in some form and they basically just said, We're gonna ride with Brock Purdy, like he will be our starter next season. And that's what started the whole talks of uh Trey Lance and where he might go in the offseason. But now that Brock Purdy's hurt. We're probably going to see them keep Treyland. So that's kind of just a, a, a cool dynamic that's happening because of this uh injury. Again, injuries are never cool, but um, but I think we're gonna see a lot of a lot of shakeup happen with the 49ers here in the offseason. People have been saying Aaron Rodgers might go there, and he Aaron Rodgers this past week when he was playing golf, said no, I'm not gonna to go to the San Fran. So um, we got that news as well. So Aaron Rodgers won't be going there. So, yeah, that's basically it for the conference championship talk. Um, again, kind of just one of the review those games a little bit. We're going to move into, I don't mean, I don't know if, if Matt wants, if Matt, if you want to talk about Tom Brady, what we think of that, if we think it's actually true, Uh fun fact, I'm just going to lead it off with this fun fact, Tom Brady, last year when he announced his retirement, it was also February 1st. He announced his retirement this year, again, on February 1st as well. So it was exactly a year in between and, uh, retirement announcements. And I think he unretired on March 13th of last year of 2022. So will we see Tom Brady unretire again on March 13th of 2023?
1: I don't think so. Um, I will say though, March 13th of last year was selection Sunday and Tom Brady absolutely still the show. So what I'm hoping he does, if he does unretire, just as long as he doesn't do it on Selection Sunday, because that's like my favorite day of the year. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to come back. I don't think he's going to unretire. But I also wouldn't put it past him because a he did it last year, and b we've seen this happen before. Brett Favre, I think, is kind of the the prime example. And if you aren't old enough or don't really remember Brett Favre too well, um, he obviously was a legendary. To, uh, quarterback for the Packers he retired from the Packers and then he basically just signed with the Jets like kind of right after that he played two years with the Jets then he retired and then he unretired again he signed with the Vikings and they played two more years with the Vikings then he you know fi- finally um actually retired and I don't know, I mean he was horrible with the Jets and then he was pretty good with the Vikings so who knows I think that Tom Brady thought. Obviously, they won a Super Bowl two years ago, so you know the fact that he thought that they could win another Super Bowl, or you know at least go far in the playoffs, or whatever. I mean, they said you know they did they went pretty far in the playoffs last year, where they lost in the divisional round, but you know they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion, and you know in, in, in the Rams. So the fact that he thought. Because it had happened so recently, they've been in the playoffs and everything like that, that he could come back and win again. I I don't blame him, right? I mean, they had a good team. The defense was pretty similar to what it was when they won the Super Bowl. Obviously, you still have Mike Evans and, and all the weapons around him. Um, but I think that just the way that the season went, with so many offensive line injuries, and and really that's at this point that's what Tom Brady needs the most um, is is the fact that he he he's not he's not mobile, right? I mean, but he still has all the smarts and he still has all the arm talent uh, that he that he has really forever. But if he can get protected, he can do it. He can do it with wide receivers that you know aren't that great or he you know he can do as long as the defense can you know kind of kind of sustain a little bit right so i think that because i think that's what we saw most of the time when, when he was on the patriots was the fact that you know they had a solid defense and they had a solid running game neither of them were great uh but tom brady was able to lift the team or you know lift the kind of the overall standard of the team to a greatness level because he was able to do everything with his arm and his mind so i think that when he kind of was looking at his situation with the Bucks, and he's kind of coming back, and he's thinking, "All right, you know, I I, I can probably do this again because the team is still there." Well, then the team gets hurt, and you're like, "Oh, you know, w- what happens now?" And I think that that was kind of the biggest thing too was when they won the Super Bowl in 2019 over the over the Chiefs. That whole that whole year, I don't think they had like a single injury uh, on on. Really anywhere. Um, you know, obviously the defense was amazing, but I think that you know the, the the it was like a historic level of non-injuries that the Pucks had throughout the entire year, and then obviously they get to the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes, who, as we know, is the greatest talented quarterback in in the NFL right now he didn't have an offensive line and look what happened the 49 or the Bucks basically, you know, I mean, they, they ran away with that game. It wasn't even really close. So the fact that now Tom Brady didn't have an offensive line, look what happened. They, you know, they went eight and nine, they still made the playoffs, but the team wasn't anywhere where it should have been or I guess he thought it was going to be. Obviously, too, you have the whole, you know, he he got divorced and and because he wanted to come back and play football so much. And so that's where I thought he would continue to play. I didn't think he was going to announce his retirement. I was actually surprised by it. A lot of, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, the team has fallen off now, so it's time for Tom Brady to leave. And maybe that's what kind of got into his head, and that's what made him think, okay, it's actually time to do this now is because now that I did come back for this other season, I realized that, you know, unless the team is kind of perfectly assembled, he's not really going to be able to get everywhere, anywhere, at least, you know, far in the playoffs or win a Super Bowl or whatever, um, then, then it's not really worth continuing to play. But I thought that just because it seemed like there was so much going on in his personal life and he finally, you know, figured that all out, whether or not the whole marriage thing ended up being a big deal or not, I don't know. Again, it, you know, I'm not going to theorize on Tom Brady's personal life. But at the end of the day, I thought that at least for him, you know, the ability to kind of what seemed like get himself away from kind of his personal life would almost make him better in terms of being able to laser focus on his ultimate, you know, competition self and and just the way that he is, which is succeed in the NFL and do as best as you possibly can by playing this game that he loves so much and that he is the best, undeniably the best uh, that's ever played the game. Not, Not even the quarterback position, but the game in general, I think. So, that, that I think is 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 probably weighing on him a little bit and, or at least saying, you know, hey, th- there's there's options out there um for for just to kind of keep playing. I thought that that was going to be his solution, was just hey, just play till you're 50 keep playing until you possibly can. He came out and said, I guess you know five seven, eight years ago or whatever he was like 45 is a number I want to play till I'm 45 and then we'll kind of figure out what happens after that and that's where he is right now and so maybe that's kind of just always been his goal and and so now that he's reached that number he's like I'm good no matter how the situations may change or or if the 49ers end up signing him or whatever um but but I think that right now at least for for what he's been doing um it really does seem like this is probably going to be it and I guess you can never really tell especially or never really say for sure especially because he's done it before but I just don't see how much there is left out there for him. I think that he still should be playing just because if you're healthy and, and feeling good, then, you know, I guess you can, you can kind of just do it for no forever. And he's already the best to ever do it. So you could say, well, there's no reason for him to play, but it, it seems like he's the ultimate competitor. It seems like he's now divorced and doesn't really have, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not, it's not like most guys are like okay I you know I did my time in the NFL I you know I'm a hall of famer I, I got all these Super Bowls whatever now I can spend time with my family and my kids and all this stuff but it's like it's almost the opposite for him where he had a family and everything the entire time and now he doesn't and it's like well you're the ultimate competitor and the ultimate winner and now you don't have any of that stuff to worry about so why not just keep playing I think that's I don't know that's what I'm thinking in my mind obviously I'm not Tom Brady but um Hayden you, you were you were laughing a little bit there so what do you got
0: No yeah I mean <laughs> I just thought about it and I was like dude I feel like Tom Brady especially in my head, he's like this like little precious baby that just has lost everything. Like not everything. I mean, he still has like his kids and stuff that he kisses, but yeah, like he lost his wife and then like, he's kind of losing football. now everybody's telling him to retire. And like, you know, people don't, people don't believe him when he actually says he's going to retire. And it's like, dude, it's just, I feel like everybody's kind of like, like everybody's kind of like making him a joke at this point. But um, I mean, it, it's, it's not like he had a great, he had a great career, but I think the point is that everybody's already talked about his great career because he retired last year and it's like, well, once you unretire and then come back and then retire again, he even said it himself on that Instagram uh, video that he put out where he was like at the beach or on the beach. um, And he said, he was like, yeah, you really only get one sappy uh, official retirement speech. And so I feel like just coming on here and making this video is, the best way to do it the second, the second time around. Like, I think he's kind of right. Is that right? You got your chance to retire. You got your chance to kind of announce it in front of the press and, you know, make your whole, like, thank you letter to uh, well, the bucks. And then he, like, I think he thanked the Patriots like briefly, um, you know, throughout, throughout his huge, like farewell letter that he did last year, but right. Yeah. You, you really only get one of those. And he, you know, came back and then now he's, retiring again and it's uh i don't, I don't know i mean I, I think that there's not much to say other than right he's had a great career also uh this just popped into my head too so he did it on a beach right he he made the video on a beach um of of his of him retiring again and then i don't know if you guys have have heard about this but it's been going around on social media that <laughs> this dude like this dude uh got a jar and he filled it up with sand from the beach that tom brady retired on essentially and it's it's going for like a hundred thousand dollars on ebay right now and, or and on auction
1: a, and he took a picture of like he he like holds yeah. up the sand in the picture and it's like the exact dimensions of exactly where tom brady was yeah. sitting in the sand when he did it so like you match up tom brady's background to the background of the picture of the jar of sand yeah it's like you can tell it's actually the exact spot
0: yeah exactly so you probably so whoever buys that sand for hundred thousand or it's probably higher at this point if it hasn't sold already um whoever buys it for whatever ridiculous price is gonna have sand that went through Tom Brady's toes at some point so um that's I, I would not pay that much for it but there's there's got to be somebody out there that just has a ridiculous amount of money and wants to spend it on the sand that Tom Brady walked on or sat on while he was making his retirement speech but yeah that like that would be crazy if it's sold for a bunch of money and then Tom Brady unretired again. And then it just loses like all its value. it's like, I mean, it's still, it still has value because it's still kind of a, a piece of his history, but right. I mean, you're, nobody's selling grass from the field that he played on uh for a hundred K online. So I don't know. It's, it's, that's kind of a weird situation in my opinion, but yes, with that being said, we're going to move into, if we want to talk about coaching situations, D'Amico Ryan's going to uh, the Texans officially this past week, he made it. Well, Everybody kind of like, figured he would because he's been such a good defensive coordinator for the 49ers uh this past year but then he just kind of made it official this this past week because they are officially out of contention for the Super Bowl playoffs whatever. So he went to the uh to the Texans and then we had Sean Payton get signed or get traded to the Broncos which I thought I I never knew this could happen. I I think that this happened with uh what coach was it? There was a coach I think recently that it happened with but, um, but yeah, essentially I did not know that you could trade coaches in the NFL. I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought you basically just had to, I thought it was kind of like the college coach situation where like you paid the rest of their contract or you like bought them out if they, you know, if, if they got fired or whatever, but I don't know, I it's, it's all confusing, but I didn't know that you could trade a coach. So
1: it, the, the theory at least, or the, the reason is because I guess when Sean Payton decided to retire, it was not at the end of his contract or at least he told the team I'm I'm stepping down but but like keep my contract open because so it, it has something to do with the contract basically he has a certain amount of years left on the contract or whatever and because of that and he told them right I'm I'm stepping down as a coach as the coach of the Saints but based on his clause or whatever, which I think the Saints are probably smart to do. They knew that when they signed him to an extension, the last extension that he got, that either he would be retiring, you know, before the end of that contract, or they would fire him or what I don't know, whatever. Um, but because he retired, obviously his contract is still standing with the team. And because of that, he had to agree to it, I think, I think at some point, and basically tell them, like, hey, you know, I'm gonna step down from the Saints. I probably won't coach, coach here again. I might coach here again, or I might go somewhere else. And in the meantime, because my contract is still standing whatever is left on that contract in the buyout money or you know trade value for draft picks or whatever that's where the next team that signs him is able to get him but they have to either pay the buyout of the contract that was still left with the saints or which is what they ended up with the broncos ended up doing trading for or giving them value in trade and draft picks and and assets and whatever that would fulfill the contract to what the Saints agreed on and and stuff like that. So I think it was it, it was something to do with the contract. I don't know exactly like the stipulations of how they agreed to it and, and based on his retirement with this or stepping down with the Saints versus then where he would go somewhere else or or if he would just retire completely. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but but th- that's how it worked out is because of somewhere that was said in the contract. So, for my understanding at least.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. That makes a lot more sense, but I still didn't know that the that that coaches could be traded, and I found it really weird when I when I found out that the Broncos gave uh, the Broncos gave the Saints a first round pick and a second round pick for Sean Payton and then a third round pick. So it was <laughs> it just seems weird because it's like you're trading players for a coach or future players for a coach, which doesn't really make sense in my mind. Like if you're gonna make a trade for a coach, I feel like you trade coaches, but that doesn't really add up either because there's not as many coaches as there are players in the league and so it doesn't really make sense to i don't don't know i feel like the value of coaches is a lot it's kind of distributed a lot differently um than than the players in the nfl but still i think that it's uh i I think it was a pretty decent move by by the broncos i don't know if it's going to fare too well i mean i saw i basically saw this thing and it was like yeah sean payton has was a great coach for the saints, you know, led them to many playoff runs, led them to a super bowl too. But the last time he led them to a super bowl was what, like 2012 or 2011 or something like that, or 20. uh, Yeah, I think it was 2012 uh, when they won against the Colts that year. And ever since like, he just hasn't really been able to make a run. He hasn't even gotten to the super bowl ever since. So the Broncos are trading a first round and a second round pick for Sean Payton, who is a great coach. You know, he's, he's renowned as kind of like one of the best of, our generation, at least Eye's generation, but I mean, he's he's been away from coaching for a year, and we don't really know where he's going to be with Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is is also a guy that's struggling in that Broncos scheme there. So I, we'll have to see, but I I don't think that there's really any way we can kind of like give an appraisal on this because we haven't we haven't seen Sean Payton coach for a year, and we have I think it's yeah I, th- I think it's been a year, and then uh yeah we haven't seen Russell Wilson do basically anything at, at Denver. So um, I don't know, Matt, what do you think about this?
1: Yeah, I think this is a huge, huge gamble by the Broncos. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are leveraging their entire future for this move after the future that they already leveraged in getting Russell Wilson in the first place. Right. And, and it really, all it comes down to is whether or not Russell Wilson can actually kind of get back to where he was before, or if what we saw from this past season is what he is, because the, the here's the deal, man, like at the end of the day, if if when leaving the Seahawks and everything that happened with the you know with with him there and and whatever and then whatever he was this past season which wasn't good at all, um, if that's what Russell Wilson is, nobody's going to be able to change that, right? So, okay, Nathaniel Hackett might not be as good of a coach as as as, um, as Sean Payton, which clearly he's not. I, I I get that, but what I'm saying is Sean Payton can't go out there on the field and change the team he can't change the way that well he can change you know the, the schematics and everything but he can't change the way that the players are playing and he can't change if russell wilson if that finger injury or whatever happened to the shoulder or something or whatever in seattle at the end of his tenure there if that's what's still bothering him or if he's just old and not as good as he was before sean payton is not going to be able to turn back the clock all right like sean payton is not this magical magician figure who who can come in and, and sprinkle some voodoo jo- juice on on russell wilson and get him some new concussion water and and, and make him into what he was before when in Bowl uh, with the Seahawks and as we discussed before too the Super Bowls with the Seahawks are uh, he only won one but he got to two and and, and they were in the NFC championship and everything that whole run I mean that was a legion of boom defense wins championships we saw that in the Super Bowl that they did win against the Broncos when you know Peyton Manning and the Broncos had the best offense in the history of the league that year and the Forty Nine or the um, Seahawks won that Super Bowl 43 to 8 you know and so it's like that was the legion of boom that was a defense and, and obviously Pete Carroll's a great coach too and he steamed everything up but and and Sean Payton will do the same, right? Um, and especially too if Sean Payton, because I think that they they said that um, Sean Payton might be able to get Vic Fangio as to get to run the defense or the defensive coordinator uh, with the Broncos. Who he's probably the, one of the most brilliant defensive minds, um, in the NFL right now. I mean, he 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 wasn't a good head coach because he's a brilliant defensive coach. But um, if he's if he's on the defensive side and he just obviously Sean Payton knows that he can just handle that all himself. And then Sean Payton works on the offense with Russell Wilson. I think it could be set up well. You have all the pieces in place. And the defense was great this year. Right. It, that's the thing too, is we, I think we forget how good the Broncos defense was this year. It was near the top of the league in the regular season, at least obviously, you know, the 49ers are, are you know, are a great defense and everything like that, but, They had one of the best defenses and they couldn't score any points. We went over the stat. I think it was by the end of the season, if the Broncos had scored 19 points or 20 points or whatever in all of their games, they would have been like 12 and five in the regular season. They would have almost been in contention for the one season, the AFC, but they didn't even score 20 points. And and however many of those games would necessitate that stat to become true. Because the offense didn't work, and obviously, right, Nathaniel Hackett was an offensive coordinator with Green Bay, and and he had Aaron Rodgers, and, and they made it work, and and everything like that. So you know, maybe it was Aaron Rodgers who made Nathaniel Hackett look good, and so then you know, Hackett goes to to Denver, and he can't really figure it out as a head coach because it's too much for him. I Maybe that was the case, and Sean Payton comes in and changes the whole organization. Fine, but you really have to hope that that's the case, and I would say that the percentage chances of that happening are a lot less than everything that they gave up to get him in the first place and so fine you know Russell Wilson you know let's see what he can do right and obviously Sean Payton I would say is probably a better better coach than, than Nathaniel Hackett so it'll at least be better than it was this past season but at the same time you can't automatically assume that just because the coach is different the quarterback is going to perform differently on the field sure it may open up his receivers a little bit more and they may be able to score a little bit more points but the classic Russell Wilson that we saw in Seattle which now was probably three or four years ago there's no guarantee that you're going to get that. And so if it works out, then, you know, I think the Broncos are probably going to be, it's going to be either extreme. I think the Broncos are either going to be, you know, at the top of their division competing for the one seed in the AFC or similar to what we saw this year, where, you know, they only win seven, eight, five or six games or whatever. Um, and it's a complete failure. And if that's the case, I mean, they're screwed for the next probably five or six years because until they can even start to recoup some of that some of those draft uh, draft picks and, and and cap room and everything that they're using to pay up Russell Wilson right now so those are my thoughts on it I again I don't know I, I respect Sean Payton as a coach and I think that he's a great guy but the decision here by the Broncos front office is it is an extremely large gamble that I don't think I would have made and and you really just have to hope that Russell Wilson is the quarterback that you thought he was when you were getting him in the first place
0: good appraisal of it now the other side of things is, is a D'Amico Ryan's thing? I I don't think we really need to talk much about it unless you want to Matt, but I, I think it's a great hire by the Texans. I mean, they need, they need a guy like D'Amico Ryan's. I think they need a younger guy that's going to kind of get this team rejuvenated. Um, They still don't have the best talent in the world. They probably have the least talent on any, out of any NFL roster right now in the league, but they're kind of, they're kind of getting there with Damian Pierce and um, that defense still needs a lot of work too, but I mean, Domenico Ryan is a defensive guy. We, as we saw in, in in San Francisco, he got that defense right. You know, led the led the best defense across the whole league. So I think it's a pretty good hire by the Texans. It's going to be interesting to see if Domenico Ryan is able to get this team going. Because again, like I feel like nobody likes being hired by the Texans at this point, just because they just they suck. <laughs> it's like you, it's kind of you're basically just walking into a trap. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, it's gonna to be tough to kind of say whether D'Mico Ryans will be able to change things there, but I think I feel like a, a younger guy going to um going to the Texans is, is probably a good thing. They had Lovey Smith before they hired they had, they had him for one year, I think, and then they fired him. So I think that Lovey Smith was not really the answer. Uh, but D'Mico Ryans, I think, is is a pretty good hire. Again, younger guy who hopefully will be able to kind of connect with those younger guys that have come into Houston and um and, and kind of get them rolling.
1: Yeah. It, realistically, the Texans have been basically just in a two-year kind of purga, purgatory here. Yeah, uh, They had David Cully. Had, I hadn't mentioned Lovey Smith. They had David Coley. Remember him? The like, oh, yeah. 70-year-old guy that they randomly hired for one year, two years ago. Then they hired Lovey Smith. Because they didn't want to put David Coley through two years of, 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 this craziness. And they wanted to, they wanted to make it look like they were actually going to start trying again, but they weren't, I mean, the entire time they've been trying yeah. to tank. Right. So now they have though, the guy who at least they can kind of set up for the future. So I think that David Coley and Levy Smith were both just, just, just kind of panic moves, just, just very impulsive decisions uh, because they weren't able to find a guy that they wanted to build with in the future. And they were like, all right, we're just going to continue this until we can find that guy. And now they have, and then can riots, who, who was a great coach a great defensive coach. And I think that's kind of where this might be a little bit problematic. And again, with these teams who have a very limited and and not talented roster, what they're going to do is now they have D'Amico Ryans who comes in as a head coach. I think he's a great coach. They're going to draft a quarterback because they're picking second overall. And, you know, whether they get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Will Levis or whoever ends up being, you know, the quarterback of their future, they're going to stick in an offense that doesn't really have that much talent at the, I mean, they have Damian Pierce with the running back. He's pretty good, right? Brandon Cooks doesn't even want to be on the team anymore. And I can't name another receiver on the Texans. All right. Their offensive line is kind of trash and their defense is even worse. Okay. So I understand the process here. Let's get a defensive defensively minded head coach in here to kind of, you know, coach up the guys that we do have. That way, the defense is at least somewhat stable, and then we draft you know one of these one of these great offensive talents uh, to to, push, to to stick in the quarterback position. Then we'll kind of build the team around that. I get it; that that makes sense. You have the pieces, you have a good head coach, a good young head coach, and then you get a, a really good talented quarterback in there. But again, we saw this time and time and time again with the Browns is that if you're just so bad every year that you don't have any talent around your team and the head coach doesn't really matter, because again, like I said, same argument with the Sean Payton thing, right? You can have an amazing coach, but if you don't have the talent pool and the players and the players just aren't talented, talented enough to do what the head coach needs you to do, you're not going to end up winning football games. And so we saw this with the Browns. Like I said, however many times where, the talent on the team wasn't good and the coach wasn't able to bring out the talent in the team. So they end up just drafting all these great or great uh, quarterbacks out of college and ruining their careers because there's nothing, there's nowhere for them to go. So I hope that this is a success story with the Texans and and that they end up kind of just building this up from the ground up. But I, I don't, I don't see it working out like that right now because there's just not talent on the team around you know, whoever they end up drafting and, and then obviously around Domico Ryan's as a defensive plan, defensively minded head coach. So, um, yeah, I hope it works out, but, and, but, and I hate to be, you know, super pessimistic, pessimistic guy with both of these hires, the Broncos and the Texans, but it just kind of is what it is right now. Both of the teams are in pretty weird situations. Obviously the Broncos have more talent. And so if their talent ends up working out, then that's fine. But again, Sean Payton can't run out there on the field and, 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 you know, throw the ball for, for Russell Wilson. And likewise with D'Amico Ryan's He can't go out there in the field and just make the offensive line, be able to protect Bryce Young, you know, 16 games out of the season. And then the receivers that Bryce Young's throwing to, we don't even know. Uh, So, so that's, again, it's, it's kind of sucks. And and the Texans are one of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't expect them to be like, you know, great. All of a sudden, I hope that they are able to kind of rebuild and make it into something good, but I don't see that happening really anytime soon. And I just hope that they don't ruin, you know, one of these prospective quarterbacks careers because they just don't have enough talent on the team.
0: All right, let's move into a quick NBA topic and then we will round it out with that. So, it was announced last week that the players who will be actually I think was it yeah, last week that um or maybe 2 weeks ago or something like that. It was it was announced that the players who will be playing in the NBA All-Star game will be drafted right before the game is played and this is the first time that this has ever happened, I think. But it's like, yeah, it's basically like the players, like the players get invited, the possible draftees get invited to the All-Star game. And then like basically right before the All-Star game is played, the day of the the captains draft their teams and then they play with them. So there's kind of some mixed emotions regarding this. I think some people like it because it's just kind of it's spontaneous. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like a like a game of pickup out there, um, which is kind of what the all-star game has been, you know, they score 180, 190 points in, in these games. And so it's like, you know, nobody's really, nobody's really actually trying out there, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that my, my take on this is probably that before. And I, again, I, I know that the all-star game doesn't really matter. Like nobody plays defense. Nobody cares about who wins really. But I feel like beforehand, even when the, when the, when the teams were drafted, right. A week in advance, two weeks in advance, whatever it is even when they were drafted in advance, they would have like, th- these guys would probably get together somehow and play together a couple times or whatever. And like plan some cool stuff that they were going to do alley-oops, whatever kind of like, you know, at least come up with some kind of game plan on, on how to entertain the fans. But now with this, it's like, you've got warmups, right? Like warmups is, is your plan or is, is where you're going to plan how you're going to enter- to entertain the fans. I don't know. I don't really know why the NBA is doing this. I feel like, again, I, f- I feel like when these guys are able to prepare and are able to kind of make a game plan for how they're going to go out there and just show their athleticism and show off whatever cool basketball plays that they, that they've got in their bag when they have time to practice this, I think it's better for the NBA because you get better results in the game. Obviously we're going to see how it goes this year. And if it's terrible, then I guarantee you, the NBA will go back to the the draft being, you know, a week in advance or two weeks in advance, but I think it's going to, I think we might see a little bit of a change in, right. Kind of like chemistry on the court. Do these guys, are, are these guys really like just going to go out there and, 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 you know, ISO the whole time and try to like do something cool. Or are they going to actually, you know, kind of, kind of bond as a team um and, and try to make, you know, like cool alley-oops and, and team plays and everything like that. It'll be interesting to see, but I don't really watch the all-star game anyway because yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's Giannis running up and down the court in five steps every time. So it's like, it's not really, I don't know, it's it's nothing really, really huge, um, nothing that I'm going to be dying to watch this year, that's for sure.
1: Well, so, okay, do you know, because I, I read one thing on this, but I wasn't exactly sure, Hayden, do you know if the, the draft aspect of this, obviously they've been doing the draft, like I said, but in, maybe since they're changing the 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 time at which they do the draft, are they going to draft, is it still going to be like, you're still going to be by conference basically. So it's like the East and the West and they have their or reserves or whatever. And then the team captains, LeBron, and I guess, I I think it's LeBron and Giannis um, are going to choose their players from their respective conferences and and do some draft. Or is it going to be like you choose the players like randomly by conference, like conference doesn't matter.
0: No, I, I think it's, I think you have a pool of players to choose from, from your conference. And then you go with that. Okay. I think they're still doing these. Yeah.
1: See, So that's, that's what makes this all boring is, is the fact that you already know who the reserve or the you know the all-star list of all-star all-star players that can prospectively be chosen to their teams. So you really know who's going to be on the team. And it's, again, it's the same, pretty much the same players all every year. Right. I mean, there's a ton of great players in the NBA, but it ends up being the same players every year. And that I think is the problem. I think it, it would be way cooler if, you had the whole pool, of, like the pool of players as a whole. I mean, it's because then it, it really does make it seem like a pickup game of basketball with the best players in the NBA. That's the coolest part. It's like, okay, LeBron and Giannis, I think they should be the the, the captains like regardless, right? You have a whole pool of all-stars and then literally right before the game starts, you choose like, you know, Steph Curry can be playing on the same team as Jason Tatum, right? And that way you have like, you know, the conferences don't matter. It's literally quite literally like a fantasy game of basketball. I think that would make it more entertaining for the fans because it's like anybody can end up on any team and then you play the game that way and it's like you have – guys playing against each other who normally would play for the same team. And, you know, now you've been switching it up. I think that's the way they should be doing it. If they're still going to do it by conferences, nothing changes about the timing of the draft because it's all, it's going to be the same players that are on the teams on the same teams anyway. So I, and that's like the draw to me is the fact that, you know, I would watch the all-star game. If it wasn't, I knew it was the East versus the West and I knew who the good players from the East are. and I know who the good players in the West are. If it's, you know, Luca is, you know, ends up playing against Jimmy Butler, like, you know, that's, or sorry, playing on the same team as him. That's like where I think it's cool or Luca and Giannis, right. Playing together on the same team. I think that's really cool. But if we keep it with the conference thing and I get, I think, and I get it like the pro bowl, the all-star game in, in really any major sport is going to be, you know, one conference versus the other. I that's fine. But like, I think it'd be way cooler if you have a pickup game of basketball with the best players on each team, literally pickup style where you draft the players as they, you know, as they are in a group of players conference doesn't matter. I think that'd be way cooler. I would watch that game because I would want to see the the, the players that I would never otherwise see playing each other or playing on the same team with each other. Um, but the way that it is right now, it, it still isn't, it, 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 there's no change the only change is that it happens right beforehand and the people who bet on the game aren't going to be able to bet on it because you don't know who's going to be on the teams beforehand. So that that's, and that's all I care about at this point, right. In terms of the all-star game, I would watch it. Like I said, if it was just a true conference doesn't matter, division doesn't matter the best players and the best teams and, you draft the players from a from a you know wide range of pool, and whoever ends up being you know playing on the same team each other, I think that would be cool because then it's like truly random who's able to win this game, and then it, I think it would create bragging rights. Right, like if Giannis ends up drafting a, a great team and just the players that he you know, picks end up winning and they win by like 20 points. And it's like, Oh, this is, you know, kind of crazy. Like LeBron and all the, or, you know, Giannis's team, they get bragging rights over the other team. And then, you know, that can go on and, you know, next year, who's going to actually win this year who who's going to, you know, be able to create the better team. I think that would create more intrigue. Um, But the whole conference deal, like, I think they should just get rid of it.
0: Yeah. I think you're, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And actually they did get rid of it. I think for the 2018 all-star game, I was just looking up online um, and like, I think for the 2018 all-star game, they got rid of the East West thing. I can't remember how they did that one. I think it was, I think it was still a draft, but it was, it, I, it was like for charity and I don't know it maybe it still is, but yeah, I don't know why they went back to East West. Cause it's, it's the same thing every year, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's going to round out the episode for today. Thank you guys for listening a little bit of a little bit of a slow ish one. I don't know. I mean, we haven't, we were a little bit rusty. We haven't been on the pod in week and a half. So uh, yeah, but it was also more of kind of like a laid back episode. Not much, not many uh, hot topics, I guess. We were we were kind of just going over conference championships, which happened a week ago. So yeah, we just wanted to get this one out to you guys so that we could have the record of saying that we did it. Um, and, you know, we never want to miss a week of football. So even though we weren't able to do an episode this past week, uh, we yeah, we made sure to get this one out to you guys this weekend. So Again, thank you guys for listening. Um, We we will have a Super Bowl preview out this coming week. We will make that we will make a plan very soon to have that either out on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those days, and that'll be kind of you know four or five days out from the Super Bowl, Um, and you guys will have that to to munch on before the Super Bowl, and then you'll have. Maybe like some chicken wings to munch on during the Super Bowl. I, I hope I'm munching on chicken wings during the Super Bowl, but uh, <laughs> but but yeah, we're gonna gonna sign off for today. Um, and it was a fun one. So catch you guys in a few days. and yeah, happy Super Bowl week.